Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you this morning. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Very well. Thank good, you. Good, good. Radiant and raring to go. Uh-huh. Yeah. I wish I could say, solve another problem today. All I can say is attempt yeah. to alert people to some of the problems I have so we are prepared when it really gets hot and heavy. Yeah. But I bet you we'll find something that we can say, you know, on the positive. No matter, we always have something positive. So when things are real bad, you say, we just woke up another million people, you know, because they probably didn't believe it could ever be this bad. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I still will maintain it. It's, uh, the, the world is driven ultimately by ideas <laughs> and violence, yeah. of course. Our idea is to uh, change things without the use of violence. But uh, in, anyway, there's a there's there's been a meeting over in Davos, and yeah. uh, and they're, they're getting involved in something that sounds like it's uh, this this must be just made up this conspiracy stuff because uh, it's been known this social credit system, and th that's been around for a while. I think uh, I think the con the communists like that system, and oh, I think yeah. the Chinese like this system. But now this uh, this meeting is a world meeting. I wonder if they're really conspiring to try to unify the world under a system like this. And, uh, you know, they do that with finances and different things than they do it with uh, military groups like, uh, uh, you, you know, the various uh, United Nations and, and uh, the uh, defense groups. But anyway, this, they're, they're meeting there and uh, they're, they're serious and they have their scientific means and uh, I bet they're big into computers. <laughs> you yeah. know, they're gonna register everything because they're gonna, you know that they don't keep enough records on everybody already, but this, this looks like uh, this, this is serious because it's not just uh, keeping records for uh, selling your name to somebody so that they can sell you more stuff. Uh, this is if you don't obey, you can get into big trouble. And it's the state that will come down hard on you. So um, it, it, there's been a little bit in the news on this, but uh, I, I think it's real serious, going in the wrong direction. And hopefully uh, the people will wake up and decide we don't even need to be uh, involved in this kind of nonsense. And what this is really is a foot in the door because they don't outright say in the, you know, in the beginning, hey, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give you social credit score. You can't do anything if, unless you score high enough. Just like they said, hey, we're passing the Patriot Act. We're not gonna spy on Americans. Are you crazy? <laughs> You're a conspiracy theorist. This is a foot in the door that will lead to other things. And as you say, this happened at, at Davos. And J. Michael Evans, he's a president of Alibaba Holdings, which is interesting because it's a Chinese company. It's a massive company. Um, as the article, and we saw it on the Off Guardian, which is a great website, uh, points out if you want to do any e-commerce business in China, you're using Alibaba. So Evans was a CE, was a uh, vice chairman at Goldman Sachs. He's moved over to Alibaba, helping out the Chinese. And basically, he blurted out because they're not ashamed of these things anymore, Dr. Paul. He blurted out that Alibaba, massive, massive company, is developing a green social credit app that monitors basically. In fact, let's just listen to it in his own words. Let's play that first clip. Here's him talking at a panel in Davos uh, among the very rich and very well-connected about what they are planning for the rest of us. If we can keep, here, let's listen to what he has to say. We're developing through technology an ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's 
Where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the platform? So individual carbon footprint tracker. Mm. Stay tuned, we don't have it operational yet, but this is something that we're working on. So where you're traveling, how you're traveling, what you're eating, you better be eating those bugs, don't have a burger, or you're gonna be in trouble. That's what's going on. And at first, you know, they, they put it in here like, this is to save the earth. If you don't follow this, then you must hate the earth. But of course, it's going to expand as it has in China to your political views, to your medical views, to your other behaviors. It's just, it's just absolutely obvious. You know, the, the question I have for them, they say they're serious and they're gonna make the world better if her, their ideas come about. I'd like to know technically how they separate the two things. Some CO2 is very necessary and good and beneficial, and other CO2 might, might represent some pollution. Yeah. How, how are they gonna get this footprint and I guess that's what they're studying up there to find out how, how to do this. But uh, when, when, you, uh, when, when you think about it, the CO2, I, I think I see it medically, and uh, everybody's lungs are bathed in CO2, <laughs> and we you know, exhale CO2. It goes on and on. And one thing in medicine that uh, is a common common problem that uh, we all see in emergency rooms, people hyperventilate. Mm -hmm. And uh, they don't have enough CO2. The problem is they've depleted their body of CO2. <laughs> uh -oh. and, you, and you have to give them a bag to breathe in so you get the CO2 levels up. And, you know, there might be something else, uh, maybe the the carbon cycle that they don't care about. Maybe there's some positive things in the carbon cycles. Who knows about plant life might or something, you know, benefit from, from CO2. So this, this, is, this is just total nonsense on planning. Matter of fact, the main reason is their motivation for it. They're, they're not even saying that we're going to uh, improve the health conditions of people. We're gonna destroy the, uh, the physical health of people by all the, all the spying on everybody. I mean, this was sort of like saying, you know, the Patriot Act was going to make us great patriots and protect us from terrorists. And uh, I don't think it's worked out all that well. And uh, it's, it did take away the liberties of people who were totally innocent of, of the problems going on. So this is mischief far and beyond anything that should have ever come about in, in, in a system that is designed by our founders and wrote up a constitution trying to protect about excessive government. So uh, I think that uh, there, if there's a some type of monitoring going on, it has to be taken out of the hands of the government because it will be used for evil reasons. Yeah, and as, you, as I think you're suggesting here, it's not really about CO2, it's about power. And we've talked ourselves blue in the face here about how the big American companies and corporations are more than happy to do the bidding of governments. Uh, and we see that Alibaba, of course, in China is very happy to do the Chinese government's bidding. We're going to have adoption by Amazon and other companies here of the same thing. Now back to China's social credit system. Now that was started in 2009. It's pretty recent, actually. It was launched as a pilot project in 2014. This is according to Wikipedia, so it's not, I didn't do a deep dive into it. But um, it was born out of, you know, remember, uh, you know, in the 80s and 90s when China began to become an industrialized power and began, people began to get wealthy, they said, we've got to control this, what's happening. So it was born out of the financial credit system of the 80s in China. They wanted to add a dimension of trustworthiness to people. Not only are you a good saver and you pay your bills on time, 
but you're a good citizen. You don't watch the Liberty Report, right? <laughs> so so that's, the, that's the source of it. But here's another thing from the CEO of Alibaba, what he talked about, and he's all excited about this. The third thing, we call it green travel. So we have within our business something called AMAP, a mapping. Think Google, Google Maps or Waze plus travel destination business. So what we're going to allow, I love that word, what we're going to allow people to do is in fact, first of all, calculate the best and most efficient route and the most efficient form of transportation. So I'm thinking here it is a Sunday, Dr. and Mrs. Paul, they want to take a little Sunday drive, look at some of the greenery around Brazoria County. You get in your car, you start driving around, maybe you're going to take a little trip to Sargent, and all of a sudden your car comes on. Dr. Paul, you have not chosen the most efficient way to get to Sargent. We had decided to shut off your car. Please reroute yourself to the most efficient way. Uh, it sounds funny, but it's actually not that funny. Yeah, it's, it's sad, but it'll always be well motivated. But, you know, the, uh, they, they have the punishments uh, that can be, you know, they can find people and they can threaten arrests and all, all kinds of things. They even put people in jail if they continue to do something. But I think it's the social pressure that's put on there, that it put a label on you that you don't care. You're un, you know, the whole thing, how you can be easily accused of being unpatriotic if you vote against the Patriot Act. Yeah. How could you be anything but unpatriotic if you don't vote for the Patriot Act? Exactly. You know? So that's, that kind of social pressure, uh, we're seeing more and more of that now all, all the time. You, you know, that uh, put, put the pressure on it. We certainly saw it. It was, it was that pressure. Not directly. We didn't have a Gestapo, government Gestapo out there. They used, they used the business community to uh, monitor us during the epidemic. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. and it, guess what? They've they've retained some of those yeah. some of those obstacles for us too. They're they're still meddling in our freedom of movement. Well, that's a great transition to our second story. <laughs> and let's put up that clip. This is from the Epic Times. California is not done abusing its citizens yet. Uh, and this is uh, from May 26, Epic Times. California poised to adopt medical misinformation bill targeting alternative COVID-19 protocols. I think whenever you see misinformation or disinformation, you know, the red flag should go up because it actually means the opposite. But this is pretty chilling. And if you look at this, I'll just read a second of it, Dr. Paul, and send it over to you. California legislators pose, uh, poised to pass Assembly Bill 2098, described as a medical misinformation bill. If passed, the new law would prohibit doctors from freely providing medical advice and treating their patients if those practices run counter to the official state-sanctioned position. You know, I don't know how many times on this program, when I've had the opportunity, when we talk about expenses and medical care and lockdowns and, and epidemics, is that uh, the most important part of medicine uh, is totally forgotten. And this is another example, the doctor-patient relationship. Yeah. And uh, this whole thing that the FDA uh, you know, will solve our problems. When I started medicine, I thought, well, you know, uh, there's always lawsuits and we had to have insurance even when I was starting, you know, if there's malpractice. But I kept thinking, well, if uh, you have the uh, good housekeeping seal of approval by the FDA, they couldn't possibly sue you for malpractice <laughs> because they would have figure this all out and uh and but that that doesn't that that is an answer but uh now it's that the atmosphere is different because for years even before the fda and all this and especially in the last several decades uh doctors have been known 
to be very creative and thoughtful when they're dealing with an individual patient <clears throat> and it's not written up or studied or researched uh, you know, by the FDA, but it made sense to the doctor and the patient. And with full knowledge, they would try a drug for something else. Yeah. You know, maybe they would try ivermectin uh, for for a virus or something. Like that. Oh, that is that is bad. And what they've done here that they have criminalized doing that. But but the truth is that forty percent of prescriptions right now are off label. People <laughs> wow. think off label means you mean just somebody just stuck it out there. No, it means that it's gone through a lot of testing and and people know about it. Uh, but the the label didn't give the approval specifically for you to try it on something else. And what they're doing here is they're switching this. They don't want 40% of people thinking for themselves and letting the doctor and the patient work it out. What, what they're saying is they're accusing the doctor, if you do it, that you're experimenting. Yeah. That's what they're trying to say now. And I think in this bill, it includes that the, uh, the ivermectin would be experimentation. Puts it entirely a different position than, than the doctor having off-label because that's been known. And now they're attacking it. This is a big attack on private practice is what it is. And, uh, and, the, and you can lose your license on it. Now, the devastating part of this, which is mean and nasty, but a way to get more control. But you say, well, you know, that wouldn't be so bad. I know California's nuts, and uh, if I don't follow this, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll move to Texas or I'll move someplace. Problem is, is when you get another license in another state, they'll say, have you ever lost your license for any reason? Yeah. And then you're on the defensive, and uh, it's going to be much more difficult to use the state's rights issue, which has been beneficial in some of the things going on today because people are leaving California. But it, if because of the licensing, uh, this is another argument because uh, a, a good libertarian would see through the licensing as, as protection for certain industry, the, the pharmaceutical industry and the medical industry and the hospital industries. And all of a sudden you find out that all that does is in all those areas, it just pumps up the cost and takes away personal choices. This is another one. Pump up the charges and also, uh, uh, also uh, eliminating freedom of choice and, you know, being able for the doctor patient to do something other than the cookbook thing of, of Dr. Fauci. Yeah. Fauci gains on this uh, if uh, this gets passed. But hopefully uh, more and more Americans will wake up to, to the Fauci syndrome and say it's not good for America. Well, that was really fascinating. It's interesting you talk about, you know, we look to the FDA seal of approval. Now, I don't watch television, but when I'm at the gym and I'm watching the TV on the treadmill, every other commercial seems to be, if you've been injured by Vioxx or if you've been oh, yeah, injured by yeah, whatever, that's, that's if right. your liver has blown up because you took this, you know, call us and we'll defend you. It's pretty funny. Uh, to, you know, let's depend on them. Well, here's a couple of things from the article. Let's do the next one. Here's a... Um, a doctor in California, and this is, I think the bill has kind of been written for him or to attack him. One physician, Dr. Syed Haider, has already been reported to for a state medical board by pharmacists saying they don't like filling ivermectin prescriptions. He has also been forced to retain a lawyer to protect his medical license. Well, what did he do? He sounds like a bad guy. He sounds like a mad doctor. Let's look, let's look at the next one. Personally, Hyder has treated <clears throat> over 50,000 COVID-related patients, many of them elderly. He said among his patients, there have been zero deaths and only five hospitalizations despite his success 
They're trying to persecute him. We don't know the details. This is what he says. We're not endorsing ivermectin, but we are definitely not endorsing is a tyranny that puts someone like this that might be having some success. Maybe they should put some money into seeing what he's doing if it seems to be working. If he's a charlatan, obviously, no one's going to go to him. You know, this refreshes my memory because you and I had a conversation where I found this chart about uh, the results in India where the least amount of, of inoculations occurred and vaccines. And uh, the countries, and compared to the countries that had all the inoculations, <laughs> and it was so dramatic. I still, I still want to dig that up again yeah. because it's worth showing. And there was one flat line. And, you know, uh, the people in India were immune. But, but they didn't have the vaccines. Can you believe that uh -oh. natural immunity just marched on without permission? You know, they just, it just went ahead and, and uh, it, it, it is amazing. But, but the, the, this is the kind of thing they won't allow to happen. And, uh, and they were, in, in India, they, they were allowed to use ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. But uh, now I, I think the battle has been sort of won on hydroxychloroquine. At least it's, it's not, but now they're going after ivermectin. So, uh, but you, we have to reach the people who demand that it's very important that uh, they even think once again about a doctor-patient relationship because right now medicine is government corporations and that probably takes care of 90% of all medical care now. There's corporations involved somewhere along the way, whether it's, it's the hospital, whether it's the lab, whether it's the insurance or, or whatever. And once, once you're locked in there, uh, we all of a sudden find out that uh, prices are probably uh, there's statistics now to show it might be, you know, at, at least five times more expensive, you know, for going through conventional medicine compared to some some people have started to discover that uh, uh, if if you walk in and say, well, I want to pay cash for this operation that's going to cost a hundred thousand dollars, you know, before you know it. They're, they're saying, oh, we'll do it for 20. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's what needs to be. So uh, Dr. Smith up in uh, Oklahoma City, uh, I, he told me once that he practically has the cost down uh, to, uh, to the, uh, the cost that, you know, the base cost that everybody has to pay. Oh. The, the, so he, he, um, he, of course, runs a wonderful clinic uh, and has, got, has his cost way down. But guess what? He doesn't mess with any insurance. Yeah. And uh, patients can mess with the insurance. They can yeah. do it. You can still do something. But uh, he gets the cost way down, mainly getting out of this stuff. And this is just more of the same thing, you know, uh, especially just think of, uh, you, you know, we saw the damage of re regulating uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. But... 40, this was even a surprise to me, that 40% of the prescriptions are coming with off-label. Yeah. But, but again, that is not, you know, you know drugs that man, was manufactured in somebody's basement. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 was, uh, it was just that they were drugs used for other things, and doctors had experience of using the drugs, and they were comfortable. Right. That was more or less the argument that the doctors who advised uh, uh, hydrochloroquine it, they, they were they were experienced by using it for other other reasons so. yeah yeah well it's just like with university right everything the government gets involved is more expensive <laughs> right already pay for it out of pocket well the, the our, our last the main story that we're going to do today is kind of a continuation of what we've been talking about and this is john walsh did a piece in consortiumnews.com where he talks about yet again 
the mainstream media admitting that basically they've been lying to us, although they don't, they don't put it that way, since February, since the war started in Ukraine, starting to tell the truth now that a bunch of people died who didn't need to die. But this is, he talks about a recent piece in the New York Times that says, quote, Mr. Biden should also make it clear to President Zelensky and his people that there is a limit to how far the U.S. and NATO, NATO will go to confront Russia. The limits to the arms, money, and political support they can muster. It is imperative that the Ukrainian government's decisions be based on a realistic assessment of its means and how much more destruction Ukraine has sustained, can sustain. And this happens as we speak, as Severodonetsk has almost fallen out to Russia. They're moving on to Slavyansk. This whole cauldron is closing. The, the lines, the Ukrainian lines are collapsing. It's obvious now. Even Zelensky said over the weekend, we're in a really bad situation. Uh, so now the mainstream media, again, is trailing along to reality, uh, saying, well, you know, it's not looking that great. You know, I think this is big news because yesterday we talked about heritage. Yeah. You know, that uh, we'd be, uh, we were a little bit shocked. Heritage is switching around and saying they didn't quite come to where we are, but they they, they at least said that, uh, you know, this this is not a winnable war and we have to start thinking about how much money we're spending. So it was a major shift. So here it is, the New York Times doing this. And, you know, they're uh, ra rather in bed with, you know, corporatism, yeah. you know, and, and the drug companies. But they're still they're taking that position, which I think is very good. And uh, I think what this is showing is uh, uh, there's a declaration that the proxy war is over, you know, and the proxy war was really, uh, you know, although uh, on the table, it was easy to see it was, it was NATO, you know, against Russia. But it turned out it was really United States because we're NATO. It was the United States fighting a proxy war with Russia and yeah. protecting, you know, an economic empire, at least, you know. But uh, the Russians right now, looks like they outfoxed them. And, 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 you know, we have we had a few regulations put on. We get a new president and he didn't help a whole lot on the oil prices, except he helped the Russians. Yeah. And the Russians have done quite well. They're profiting a whole lot from the whole situation and sort of laughing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. At us. But uh, this is a question or, or something I want people to think about, and that is we, we talked about heritage, now we're talking about New York Times. To me, the big thing is we have a campaign going on, and we have some dedicated hawks, yeah. you know, uh, in, well, in both parties. But there are more numerous in the Republican Party, and even the uh, even, even the progressives have wimped out and they have gone along with the status quo. But what we will be interesting to see if this trend continues, what's it going to be like in three or four or five, six months? We ought to just sort of keep an eye on see if anybody has shifted their language yeah. because all of a sudden, since they don't have these positions based on principles, it's all politics. So right now, uh, it's still the, the American people still want us over there. Yeah. But uh, I don't think it's going to take a lot more to wake up the American people, especially, and uh, Rand and others have been given some credit for making the point that when you're looking at that war, since they were got a lot of heat, you know, like with Thomas, they get a lot of heat for defending, you know, against, you know, for the, the spending all that money. But if they can tie it in, now war itself doesn't cause inflation, but the spending is monetized and printed. It is inflation, so it's very inflationary. So 
if this continues, I would think that some of the real hawkish Republicans and maybe some of the Democrats that uh, are hawkish too will shift and all of a sudden start. If New York Times can yeah. change their tune and heritage, yeah. uh, I will keep an eye on it. <laughs> yeah, they'll say, I was never in favor of that war. <laughs> yeah. But here's, um, here's another, uh, I think, evidence that the U.S. is at least waking up a little bit to reality. Let's put up this next clip. The U.S. will not send Ukraine rocket systems that can reach Russia, says Biden. Uh, that's slightly reassuring. Uh, the, ML, uh, the multiple rocket launchers that they're going to send, the shorter range ones, probably won't make it to the battlefield. A couple of howitzers have made it to the battlefield, um, but they probably won't. They'll be blown up. But the idea of the U.S. sending these long-range rock, multi-rocket launchers to, Russia, uh, to Ukraine and having them hit near Moscow, that would literally, I think, put us to World War III. And the next one, of course, we haven't talked about it, but I just wanted to throw it out there because you talk about it's NATO versus Russia, it's the U.S. versus Russia. That's all totally true. It is a proxy war. But there's something else at play here, too. And let's put on that next clip because I think this is the real story of the Ukraine war. Raytheon secures a $624 million deal to produce Stinger missiles. And that means that we sent all of our missiles to Ukraine. We don't have any left. And Raytheon says, gosh, we need to make some more. How about some money? You want some money? That's what the government said. And I was looking through this article. It's on Yahoo. And looking at to see how these guys are doing this year. You know, stocks are not looking that great uh, lately. Well, Northrop Grumman. Investors have gained 28.7% over the past year. Lockheed Martin have returned 17.9% value to investors. General Dynamics, 19.3% to investors. If you're investing in war, you're bringing home the bucks. I wonder if we should check on a few Congress women and men <laughs> and find out men. if they were in those kind of stocks. And, and, you know, Pelosi has been very, very hawkish, you know, oh, yeah. saying we can't leave here until we win this war. Yeah. But that was last week. I'm just wondering if she'll that'll be another test. If you ever find that she's modified us a little bit, yeah. you know, that it's really over. But uh, uh, that's probably not going to not going to happen. But, you know, I think this uh, whole episode is is. Uh, is proving that um, fake reports and fake news does work for a while, but yeah. eventually it doesn't work because it's working. It's working less now with COVID. People, a lot of people, have waken up about yeah. COVID, but the, all these fake reports that uh, Ukraine was on the verge of great victory. Uh, and, and, you know, it was always an excuse for building, building more. And some vo American volunteers went over there. I see they're yeah, returning they're home. They're returning home, uh, yeah. they're, they're coming back. Uh, but uh, this, this to me is a fake, fake, uh, fake news uh, really, uh, you know, motivated people for a while. But eventually, I, I think the fake news now is known that, uh, well, most people are recognizing. Nobody's expecting that. Tomorrow, you're going to say, guess what? Uh, the, the Russians have been pushed out of uh, eastern, eastern Ukraine uh, because, because they, they, we, we read so many reports already that uh, such and such was going to happen, but it really wasn't happening. Yeah. Well, so here I was looking for something positive. More reason for the people to be very cautious when they hear reports from government. Yeah, yeah. The default <laughs> be cautious, is lying. be cautious. Yeah.
Well, here's a great example of just how mendacious, just how horrible the media is. And this is from a UK paper, but it just as well could be any other paper. This is a columnist, Con Coughlin, and this is the progression of his op-eds through this war. February 24th, Vladimir Putin may just have made the error that ends his bloody rule. April 3rd, the West is beating Russia at its own game. April 21st, Putin's war has been a fiasco. It's about to get worse. May 5th, humiliated Russia faces an epic-defining defeat. Oh, May 12th, total victory over Putin cannot be bought cheap. May 26th, Putin could be about to pull off a shock triumph. So this is the same guy from February to May going from embarrassing defeat to, oh my gosh, he's going to win, without batting an eye. And that's the message to everyone. These guys lie every time they open their <laughs> mouth, every time they get on the keyboard, uh, so they should be ridiculed. And I'm going to close, Dr. Paul, with a clip, and I previewed it for you. I just want to set it up a little bit. So this is a debate that took place um, between uh, Stephen Walt, who's kind of the, the head of the realist school, which we have some agreement with. We don't completely endorse, but at least they're not insane. <laughs> and Michael McFall, who is insane, he was Obama's ambassador to Russia. He's the one that basically helped launch, of course, the coup of 2014 that led us into this bloody war. So Stephen Nall, just to set it up, Walt asks, why, if we knew that Ukraine wasn't going to get in NATO, why did we keep saying it throughout all this time when we could have avoided this war just by telling the truth. And let's listen to this clip, it's a minute long, but this is everything you need to know about U.S. government and U.S. foreign policy. <laughs> in 2021, we kept reiterating that Ukraine was gonna join. We kept saying that over and over again. So my, so my, so my, so my, so my, so our, our diplomats are lying? Yes. So, yes, that's okay. the real world, guys. Come on, I come get on. That. But, but you can. That's then, the and, real and world. The, wait a sec. Our diplomats are lying all the time. Yet the Russians should trust them when they offer assurances. No, 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 no. And, no, and no. we shouldn't. Uh, please, no. But I, here's I, my here's my question: If Ukraine membership in NATO is really, realistically off the table, just not going to happen. Nothing for Russia to worry about. Why shouldn't NATO take it back? say, we've rethought the matter, we no longer want to consider Ukraine for NATO membership. If it's never going to happen, why not do a very simple thing that might help unwind this? Because that would be an invitation for, for Russia to invade. And as you know, I Russia, already happened. the United States... And the in guy on the right is Radek Sikorsky, who is a very corrupt was former Polish join. defense minister and foreign minister says, well, if we had told the truth, the Russians might have invaded. And, and, and Walt says, well, they kind of did anyway. Right? They did <laughs> already. Right. Why don't we get some benefit like two years ago? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. just, just let them do it. And it solved a lot of problems. Yeah. Worked out a, maybe a border yeah, agreement. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so. thanks to 20, 21st Century Wire for putting that up on Twitter. That's a great classic clip. You know, download that and keep yeah. watching it. So I'm all finished, Dr. Oh, Paul. Okay. Um, w once again, I think uh, what we've been talking about is something that uh, very easily can be used to point out uh, the benefits of a non-interventionist foreign policy and just staying out of the business. And one of the strongest argument against our case is that uh, there will be more wars and it's not in America's interest. That's what they tell you, assuming that empire is in our interest. 
And uh, our argument is that empire is not in our interest. It doesn't make us safer and more secure. It doesn't make us richer. It makes us poorer. And, uh, and it has to defy, uh, you know, our traditions and our rules, like uh, the pretense that, uh, that uh, the Congress has something to say about going to war, and yet we, we know that's not, uh, not true. Uh, since World War II, we've been going to war by, you know, declaration of one individual or a group or political group putting pressure on the administration and and this is the reason that we work hard at trying to renew energy and an interest and an understanding of what non-intervention is really all about I think it's very pro-american I think it's a good economic sense I think it makes good moral sense and best of all I think if we're interested in peace and prosperity that's the way to go with non-interventionist foreign policies I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.